Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hello, everyone. It's Nick Bradley here. Welcome to Scale Up Your Business for another week. So today's interview is with Raul Hernandez Acoya. Now, I first met Raul on LinkedIn of all places, you know, just literally looking out there and seeing what people are doing. And I noticed Raul because he wrote a book which is called Productive Profits, The Founder's Guide to Scaling Your Impact. And I was intrigued by the types of things that he covered around scaling. So after a little bit of digging and a couple of conversations later, um, I found out that Rahul's superpower is really around productization, how you can productize your services, how you can think about automation much more cleverly than lots of people do, and how you can think really about systems and processes. So Rahul is a business strategist. Uh, he's been helping entrepreneurs for years realize their potential in these different ways. He's spoken on lots of stages in private masterminds. He's run hundreds of online ad campaigns, all that sort of thing. He currently lives in San Diego. And apparently when he's not working uh, and drinking a homemade cold brew coffee, I love coffee too, he's either serving his community in his church, he's training for crazy obstacle course race events, or he's simply surfing. Now, I love that. It takes me back to my days in Sydney. So the conversation that I'm going to have with Raul today is, is you guessed it, all about how you can productize your services how you can scale your impact, the level of precision that you really need to build into your business as you're scaling, which is going to allow you to reach a point of freedom, to be able to do what you want, when you want, with whomever you want. So that's it today. Welcome to Scale Up Your Business, Raul. Hi, everyone. It's Nick Bradley here, and welcome to Scale Up Your Business. Uh, today, we are going to go into all things structure, systems, process, uh, the stuff that I absolutely love but I'm not particularly good at because the guest that I have on the show today is Raul Hernandez. I'm going to get him to pronounce his last name because we, we just butchered that in the pre-roll. Um, but he um, his brand, which is Do Good Work, uh, focuses a lot on business strategy and helping entrepreneurs realize their potential. He's trained hundreds of entrepreneurs through live seminars, online programs, private masterminds, and played a key part in helping scale businesses overseeing hundreds of online advertising campaigns. But the thing we're going to get into today, as I said, you know, the structure behind how we do that. So Raul, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, Nick. Been listening to your podcast for a while now, and it's an honor to be on the side of the mic. No, it's great to have you. And I've been on yours. So, um, and that was a fantastic conversation. I always like it when people prepare well for, um, for the interviews and those sort of things, because I think it gets a lot out of it. So I've done a fair bit of research on you. I've had a look at your book here, which is called Productive Profits. Of course, no mm -hmm. one can see me holding this up because it's a recording, but I'm looking at it here, uh, which is called The Founder's Guide to Scaling Your Impact. So that's cool because it's um, called Scale Up Your Business. Uh, you're in the right place, mate. <laughs> We're here. Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. So just let's start off with your story, if that's okay, Raul. So kind of um, what you've done previously to get up to this point and maybe a little bit more detail on where your focus is now. 
specifically growing in the online space, digital marketing and helping companies grow either through, you know, I started early on from my own company, but when I started helping other companies grow, I was in the middle of mergers or even acquisitions. And from there being able to understand kind of like the inner workings of business, first focusing on people and then being able to understand holistically what needs to happen in order to continue to grow. And I think from there, the trajectory of my career thankfully took off by having the right mentors, the right people on my corner to kind of give me that exposure. But I actually didn't understand fully the impact of what I was capable of if it wasn't for a mentor pointed out saying, hey, these are actually the skill sets that are essential for some businesses that you don't see. You just do it day to day. And that really helped me to fine tune, I guess, my approach when it comes to systems, because I know that people call systems and processes. And to me, that's such a vague term because there are legitimate areas of focus in the business that we can really emphasize and influence based on best practices. And it's actually like the invisible machine working behind your business and being able to refine that and dive into that and help businesses. And even from writing the book, that was the biggest... uh, it's a labor of love, let's put it that way, <laughs> to be able to consult. Yeah, I know the feeling, Raul, because I'm in the process of writing mine right now, but I have to say I'm having a little bit of help because I can speak forever, <laughs> but getting pen <laughs> onto paper, I don't know what it is. You know, I think if people listen to the podcast, they can they can take all my insights, all my knowledge, but trying to articulate that in writing is definitely not my superpower. So well done for even even doing what you have. I actually, if you want to know like a little little hack, I used Google Docs, the voice script. So I spoke my book. I spoke at like as I was giving a presentation because I gave him this presentation like times before. So I just focused on how would an audience receive this in the best way? What's the format? So I just spoke it and then just edited it after. I'm glad you said that because that's kind of what I'm doing. <laughs> so <laughs> my, my, my book's around business buying, scaling and selling. So it's kind of that more strategic side of um, scale up, certainly around the acquisitions piece. But I went back and I said like 150 episodes of the podcast, I've done all this work. Uh, you know, I could transcribe it or whatever else, but is there a better way of actually getting it onto paper? So it's going to be launching in uh, May this year, which is cool. That's exciting, man. I look forward to picking that up. So let's um, let's go into this kind of systems and processes piece a little bit. Is that something that you've always found that you gravitate towards? You found that you have a natural um, capability and enjoyment of that part of business scale up? I really do. I really like the design portion of it. I was a creative first. My original career path was going to be in animation. Like I remember using my AOL account back in the days to email DreamWorks, just to like, hey, how can I get into the industry? Like back in high school. Um, but when I learned about entrepreneurship, I found that to be a path for, for my, what I see, a path of creativity and being able to understand problems within businesses and then create design to actually solve those problems. And that's to me the first stage when you're actually creating a quote unquote system within the business. Um, it's looking both at the creative pieces of how to solve a problem, but then the analytical pieces to see that problem through and through implementation. You know, it's not just having someone who's a visionary then having an implementer, it's having both in place to see how structure and pieces and movements and facilitating actions actually allows things to work. Is that sort of called design thinking to some extent? In the beginning process, yes, it's being able to focus from a holistic point of view of the business problems. Um, but the thing that I do, in, in, even in the book, it's focusing on what do we want to solve, getting clarity around that, and then build, building a structure around that design, depending on the business goals, the industries, the team size, the funding, uh, all these different factors. Because when you start designing for something that's not based on an intent, clear goal, um, you get down one, two years in the business, or if it's a uh, 
you're still continuing three, five years, and you haven't found a perfect fit for what you're actually trying to solve. And you're just hacking away day after day. So that's kind of why I always start with a design process to be able to identify what do we want to solve? How do we want to solve that? And then going about the best practices of like principle-based frameworks to be able to build around that. Let's have a go at this, I think. Let's have a play with it. Like um, we'll try and do a sort of a bit of a fictitious sales process, if you want to call it that. So if someone's starting at the very front end, let's say I've got a podcast, you've got a podcast, and we use that as a way of driving leads Mm -hmm. into our business, certainly um, people's awareness of us. Take us from that point all the way through to, um, let's say, a sales close or a a commitment. How would you structure that? Just Yeah, so that's actually the way that I like to structure it is starting first with the habits. So we're talking right now the habit of sales, and then within sales, there's a specific um, key role. Right now, we're using podcasting. So when you're dissecting your business, you really want to break it down. What I like to break it down is three different components, your operations, marketing, and product, product or service. Right now, we're focusing on marketing. The marketing habit is sales. The, set, the, the sales process right now is podcast, podcasting for lead generation. And from there, we look at, well, what are the actual action items required around podcasting to get you know, either leads through the door or new business coming through? And then looking, at, obviously, at the customer journey, email opt-in, maybe an application, maybe a phone call. Then from there, maybe a triage call. Then from there, maybe a actual proposal call depending on your sales process, your velocity, as well as your time frame, being able to measure that. And what I just described there is a quote unquote process, but I attribute it specifically to a component in your business, a specific habit that supports your overarching goals. The last piece to this is to assign an owner of that process. Who is actually doing this in your business? How are they doing it? And is there a refined way of your company's way of doing things that you want continually for repetitive process? That way you can embed operational excellence in whatever you do. And this is just one little facet of of marketing and sales. You can probably do live speaking. You can probably do paid advertisement, organic posts. So there's all these different things that you can do. And we can break down um, this framework in further detail, what I call the core operations to be able to identify what are the key habits in my business? Who is doing them? How are they being done? And is there a, my signature way of doing this? Yeah, let, let's let's play with this because I again we haven't touched on this in the depth that I think we could go into um, today having this conversation because the piece I find probably the trickiest is not so much the core processes even though I do want to start with that just for everyone listening but as you said it's the signature pieces that sit within that even down to the way you might even I don't want to say the word script but the may you, way you may manage a conversation mm-hmm. um, the little tiny things that add the magic if you know what I mean, to those pieces which differentiate you and actually may improve uh, the overall outcome that you're looking for. So, so let's let's go into it. So let's start with the core processes that you feel most businesses require. We've talked about obviously marketing sales product at, as a starting point. And then let's maybe go a little bit deeper into, into what you said about the signature piece and how, how you really define what that is for your business and, and obviously the culture that underpins that as well. How's that sound? I really love the fact that you said the magic because that is so true. Like for the anatomy of humans, we're almost 99.9% the same. Six basic elements. Businesses, unfortunately, your business is 99% the same of the next business down the street. But the magic is what differentiates you in the way that you approach it. I think that's the key component. Um, so yeah, let's break that down specifically. So again, looking at a holistic point of view, your operations, marketing product. I mean, within operations, we don't have to dive too much into this, but I know that there's specific habits within that, like planning, financing, finances, 
and then leadership, administration, and management, hiring, firing, all that fun jazz. Within marketing, I combine marketing and sales, but within marketing is lead generation, lead conversion, and then branding. And I put branding in its own habit because from there stems culture, from them stems language, your positioning, your pricing, and so on. For product or service delivery, this again depends on what kind of business you're, what type of business you are. If you're service-based, if you're e-commerce, if you're a SaaS-based business, if you're information product business, really depends on those. But there's always going to be a client onboarding, client fulfillment, client management, and then client offboarding. Those are some typical top point of view habits. Within those types of habits, what we're doing is being able to attribute what are the actual operating KPIs that matter to my business in order to move forward. So these are leading indicators. I call them operating KPIs because you can actually control them. This is something that you can control and that you can attribute a specific habit that influences that number directly and creates a lagging indicator, such as revenue. You can control how many leads you can get into the pipeline, but then you have to measure, well, how many leads actually convert into new revenue. Can we touch, from there, um, it's- touch on habits for a second? Because obviously you've brought that up a couple of different times. And my definition of a habit is something that almost becomes automated. It becomes automatic. You don't really think about it, right? You know, something that you just do, like the whole brushing your teeth twice a day or whatever, whatever that habit is for you. Is that what you're referring to here? Something becomes just simply the way you do things that it doesn't become something that is as conscious as maybe trying something for the first time. Well, yes and no. For the habits is I like to make it simple to view your business as opposed to saying systems. A habit is either something that you do yourself as the owner or the founder, someone else does on your team or a machine does, but it's being able to define what are those actual habits that are being done? Am I doing them? Is it important for me to be doing them? Is it someone that I can delegate it to? Or is there uh, an automation, some technology that I can leverage to do it for me when I don't feel like it? Got it. Okay. It's It's important to distinguish that. So it's like the OKPIs, what's the habit associated to that? Who is actually doing it? So we have definition and ownership. And then from there is being able to, to write the signature way. How do we actually go about doing this? Do you recommend there's a single point of accountability against each of the processes? I do or recommend an owner, an owner uh-huh. and or a team department leader. Okay. Yeah. Because sometimes I see in businesses we get involved in, particularly the ones I used to go in there and do turnarounds, you would find that there'd be multiple owners. And therefore, it was very unclear about where, if it went well or if it didn't go where, where that accountability actually, you know, laid. I think there are, there are teams that need to have support and being able to work holistically. Like one of my largest clients is, has like, I think around a hundred people, right? It's a lot of people. But when we work within that, it's getting support from different departments in order to facilitate your actions. But there has to be one clear designated owner, um, I know there's like the management theory of like flat organizations and being able to have circles and influence like that. I'm not sure if that actually like personally works. I know that hierarchy makes it easier to understand who does what, who can I go to for support and who takes complete ownership of this specific project or this specific piece of the business. Cause that way, when you have ownership, you can start influencing and optimizing. And this is where we get to the quote unquote operational excellence. It's how do we refine this? How do we make it better? How do we grow like the cliche 1%, but legitimately being able to map it out, strategize it and actually implement it and see through measurement, clear progress. Got it. And the starting point, again, we, we started there talking about different core processes, but if you, if you were looking at this as a blank sheet of paper, 
and you wanted to get to something that was outstanding. Obviously, you get there over time, and I agree that you obviously have to test and then you know look at measures and then optimize. But what does this really look like? Is it is it is it is the depth important here? I suppose is where I'm getting to. So if I was looking at this as a schematic, you know, I would see a company's whole way of doing anything written out in quite a level of granularity. Um, hmm. That meant that obviously, if I wasn't around or someone else, you know, left or whatever else, the whole thing still runs because it's it's all documented in a certain way. Mm -hmm. So you do have to get to a certain level of depth, but not over complicate the level of documentation. Is that the, the approach? Yeah, in my mind, as we're talking, there's two things that are going on, right? So I was looking at someone's sales process the other day, quite an effective business. Mm -hmm. And it was incredibly detailed to, to, to the point where if this person says this, they go here. If they say this, talking about the client journey to some extent, they do this. It was very impressive to, to the point where... Mm -hmm there was no ambiguity in terms of, which you could argue may also be a little bit of a limitation because not everything maybe is that predictable. But I know when I was, again, doing the private equity thing, one of the categories of value creation is predictability. The more predictable the business or the more that you can make the business predictable, better way of saying it, the more valuable it is. So that's why I was kind of asking that. The second part is I had Jay Abraham on the podcast recently and his key word, which I've used already today is granularity the level of depth that he was going into was like nothing I've ever seen in any other context. It was really deep. Which was interesting yeah. because he's still considered one of the, you know, the greatest business minds, certainly one of the greatest marketing minds. And I kind of wonder, again, I'm talking just as I'm thinking, as to whether we've lost a little bit of that you know, across, across businesses as they start to move more quickly with digital and all these sort of things. So I suppose the question, if I could summarize that is, what what does outstanding look like here? At what level do you need to go for it to be really good and not overwhelming versus not enough or too deep? I love that question specifically because what we're looking at is <clears throat> documenting specifically what matters. Excuse me. It's documenting specifically what matters in your business. This isn't documenting everything. And I think that's a key distinction because when you start documenting everything, nothing matters. If everything matters, nothing matters. With the level of, of being granular towards this, I do, I have a process in regards to how to actually document these things, talking about the purpose, the outcome, a video overview, and then step-by-step. -step. I don't recommend making it so difficult to read, making like a 10-page document on your sales process when it can really be mapped out into one page. And I've done very elaborate sales processes that you can do with a visual drawing, either on Lucidchart, Google Draw, handwritten notes. Um, handwritten notes are harder to translate to digital, but when it comes to that specifically, you can see it in one view, you can have a video overview, you can have step-by-steps showing how to process this information, how to implement, who does what. So that way your audio visual learners have a, a concept, your, uh, your just uh, readers who want checklists know what to do. And you do go to the level where you don't want, if you want the, the person on the other side to be creative and come up with their own way of doing things, then you leave that ambiguity. But if you want to make sure that this is done the same way every single time with no level of ambiguity, you need to make sure that it's detailed. When you do this for only your core concepts, your key habits within your company, you, you just have to do it once and then refine it over time. You don't have to do this for every hundred things that you do. And then you have to discern, is this what I'm writing down as a process, something that 
correlates back to my key habit? Or is it something that is a policy? Or is it something that's a one-off thing? Or is it something that we just do the way that we do it? And we enforce this through our brand, through our culture, through the way that we treat people, through the way of our management. So it's being able to discern clearly, but I wouldn't go away as just a, I mean, Nick, I've seen businesses without this. And even having this level, even if it is pretty basic to go deep, makes a huge difference because then you start creating and adding more to the level of detail, but without being so overwhelming and bogging. Because when you start having to read like how to do something, it takes five, 10 pages of how to do something, we might be lagging the distance between information and action, especially for businesses. My goal is to shorten that gap. Yeah. Okay. That's really useful. And you said at the beginning before and about there's only a certain number of habits really that work and we covered some of those, but I suppose the game, the starting point would be to have something that is obviously driving, um, you know, people coming into your business that drives revenue. So leads, leads Mm -hmm. to um, sales conversion, let's call it that. Then you've got um, something which, or certainly a process, which is maximizing your efficiency. So that's obviously going to be the, the way that you do things operationally, the, the number of people you have in the business, how you're spending money, um, that sort of thing, managing cash flow. Uh, I presume there's going to be something which is about the long-term sustainability of managing customers. So things like customer satisfaction and just making sure that mm-hmm. you can be profitable, but pissing all your customers off, right? So that's from a lifetime value. <laughs> yeah. So so those, I'm just trying to get a sense of how that kind of looks. Because I, I can imagine, again, there's a lot of people who listen to this who are in scale up, obviously, because the name of the podcast, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. in startup. There's also a lot of people who've got quite big empires, right? You know, eight figures, nine figures, mm-hmm. and they're trying to optimize. And I get a sense from the conversations that I have on a daily basis that there are quite a lot of them that realize that they have some issues here, all the stuff we're covering today, but they don't quite even know where to go. So I imagine it's probably easier at the beginning because, you know, you're mapping it out from scratch to some extent, right? But if you're a more established business, an eight-figure business, let's say, that's got 100 employees, how do you sort of, let's use the word triage again or, or get stuck in and diagnose where you should be focusing when you've already got legacy processes that have been built up over time? So I actually done that. So let's just walk step by step. It's You can actually get this. So we're talking about... Um, a framework that I put into a spreadsheet. You can get this at the website at, at Essentials. So I'll just send you the link for that so you can get this after the, the podcast episode. But we start with your OKPIs. What are the actual metrics that matter to your business? Again, lead generation, conversion, customer satisfaction, refund rates, um, mitigating risk, whatever those measurements are, where are you measuring that? And sometimes you find out, oh, we're not measuring that. Oh, we don't have a dashboard created. Oh, we don't know how to connect it back in. So that's a key indicator there. And this is, again, I've done this for solopreneurs all the way to, like you just mentioned, successful businesses. It's coming in directly to the heart. What are the OKPIs? What are the actual habits that associate with this? Okay, lead generation, again. Let's say we do Facebook ads. Let's say we do organic traffic. Let's say we have YouTube videos. Let's say we have a podcast and then speaking. Okay, within all of those, who is taking lead of those projects? Maybe you have one marketing person in your department at that level, and they're taking lead of all of those. Well, who is the actual managing director that actually focuses day in, day out in that? And then from there, going into how is this being done? And then the process overview of how this is being done is, again, a visual overview, either through like a schematic or a mind map or however you want to convey that information and making sure that it's clear from top to bottom, what information is needed, how is that information going to be used, and what is the output of that information? 
If you do this for every single piece, then you start identifying and looking at areas of your business that you're really strong on and areas that you see that you can be, that you're weaker on. And then when you see the areas that you're weaker on, you can start optimizing either bringing in more resources there or optimizing the way that you approach those specific habits. And I think from a holistic point of view, it's being able to have the team that's available and all in to be able to say, hey, we're actually going to do this because this is called building mode. It's like a, like a gym exercise where it works, but you're going to have to actually lift the bar. You actually have to go run that mile. And it's sometimes it's not as comfortable, but being able to do that and set time aside to start building that infrastructure within your business. And then when it comes to optimizing and creating it better, it's looking at what are the metrics that are working? What are our baselines? What are our KPI goals? And what are some of the things that we can do to influence those metrics? Again, sales is a simple one to, to do because it's easier to measure. If I want to be able to increase my sales conversion rate from, 15 to, from 10 to 15%, what are we doing in our sales conversations? How are we engaging the audience? Is there a better way of doing this? Can we use some other technology? What emerging trends are happening? Got it. Okay. And that's um, essential space. Are you happy for um, listeners to be able to access that as well? Yeah. So do good work that forward slash essentials. You can download the spreadsheet and walk step by step of what we just discussed. You'll see, again, it's as simple as a spreadsheet that this can be, but it's as complex as running and having a core overview of your business. And the goal with this specifically is to have a dashboard where you can be able to see all the metrics that make up for the business. Um, and I was on a, on a buddy's podcast and he focuses on buying and selling businesses um, or through acquisition. And he was talking about how some of his friends focus on the PL and attribute, you know, a name to each line in the profit and loss statement. So this is a similar way of doing that, but just focusing specifically on the actual core components that matter for your business. I like the simplicity of just the dashboard. Trust me, when I used to sat there with everyone with their MBAs from Harvard and everywhere else, you know, just looking at spreadsheets and PLs, it used to do my head in. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that there's anything wrong with that. And I need to caveat my, my response, my, my thoughts on that, but it's more the fact of, um, I think sometimes there's too much detail in something like that. And, um, I, I prescribe a lot to the stuff that, you know, Wickman um, treat, um, teaches on his book traction around the simplicity of businesses at certain sizes, because if you get too much, it can be overwhelming, but I agree. It's a, it's a trade-off, isn't it? Between the level of detail you need, um, and the fact that, you know, going too deep or too shallow means that you don't get the right insights. Yeah. And the cool thing is being to have a, let's call it the 30,000 foot view of metrics. You could go into sub metrics that make that up again. Sales is a perfect example, but sales can be, you know, the number of influence or the number of leads that you're coming through. But from there, you can start looking at what is the landing page converting at? What is my AB test looking at? What does the heat map say? You can start looking at micro metrics or sub metrics that influence the greater number to start optimizing and tweaking and to be able to identify what is the journey? What are the other metrics that we can look at if we're going to improve this as a whole? Yeah, cool. All right. Well, let's, let's have a little bit more fun. Um, I think we're going, we're covering, we're covering everything pretty well. I want to make sure that we don't miss anything. But um, before we started recording today, we uh, talked a little bit about Clubhouse, right? And I'm going to um, articulate a little bit of what's happened because I think it'd be interesting if you can you can do a little bit of diagnosis here, right? Because it's, it's a new thing, <laughs> and um, and it's kind of exploded. So let me tell you let me tell you what's happened, and then mm -hmm. um, I want to then take this part of the conversation into the magic bit we spoke about beforehand. Because I think this is where it'd be interesting mm -hmm. to get your view. So Clubhouse, you know, new platform for anyone who who doesn't know. Most people on my podcast know what it is because I talk about it all the time, and. 
you know, it's effectively voice only. I've been on stage now for six or seven weeks, 36,000 followers, literally hundreds, if not thousands of Instagram direct messages coming in. Some of them are pretty loose. Yeah. Hey, great to be on stage with you, Nick. Some of them are very specific in terms of wanting help with their business. What we have done, because we haven't automated that yet, we are going to be automating some of that through, um, uh, through sort of chat and AI capability. But at the moment, it's a manual process where we have one person, to use the word again, triage the messages. And depending on what mm. they're asking for, we then send them through to various functions or teams within, within my set of businesses. Mm-hmm. So it's been fascinating to sort of watch that process. But where we've had the biggest challenge is the handoff of the triage to the sales team. Now, I have a trigger word of various things that I offer. So I, I teach people how to buy and sell businesses. And so the trigger word on stage, if people are asking about that, is DM me buy in my Instagram. And then that is then triaged by my team into the sales process. Now, here's the magic bit or the non-magic bit. When you start to get into that, that sort of messaging rapport build that's going to be done by someone to someone who's seen me on stage, I get a sense, a feeling that that needs to be quite a precise management of communication. Firstly, to qualify whether there's an opportunity, a commercial opportunity there. Secondly, because someone's mm-hmm. already built rapport with me on stage. And thirdly, because if we don't get that right, uh, it's either going to be a waste of time for all of our process anyway, or it's going to leave money uh, on the table that we could have potentially converted into something just by handling the conversation better. So I'll give you that level of detail because I'm curious how you would look at that um, because I think it's going to be helpful for the listeners as well. But, you know, and back to the point of where the magic moments sit, I've got a view of where I think some of them are, but I'm just curious about how you would, how you would think of that. Not to put you on the spot or anything, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this live, man. No. So the magic moment truly is you and your brand and the, the voice, the feeling that you invoke in your listeners. That's a true magic moment. My question would be when you're having this conversation, let's say IDM you by what happens from there? So, so the, it'll just be by, and um, my um, EA, Steph, will see the, the note come through. And then it goes through to um, effectively like a pre-sales consultant. Uh, let's, let's say John, who's one of our guys. And he will come back and say, hi, this is John from the Scale Up Your Business team, uh, helping to manage Nick's um, inbox. As you can imagine, incredibly busy right now. Um, are you interested in learning how to buy businesses? So that will be the first communication. Now we've played around with this a little bit. Uh, it's now a longer backwards and forwards. So we are using the messaging to qualify. So size of business is quite important. So uh, level of um, understanding about this space is important. Um, understanding specific issues or problems that they have in their business currently is important. Um, and then depending on you know what comes out of it, we call it band. So it's budget, authority, need, timing. It's a it's a overused piece, but it's quite powerful. And then it's useful. once John has kind of tried to validate as best they can, again, through messaging, there's no conversation yet. It then goes through to another person in our team who will actually have a, a live conversation, um, a WhatsApp or a Zoom or something like that with someone to, to then go a little bit deeper on what has been qualified. But we do we do send people if they're not if they don't qualify through that that messaging part of the system then they would then be put into our nurture sequence, you know if they want to be, 
join our community on Facebook or something like that. Uh, if mm-hmm. they if they do qualify, if you like, through that band process, then they'd go through to that sales call. Is it just sending a link to schedule a call? Like, hey, it looks like you qualify. Let me introduce you to John and we'll do X, At the y, moment, it is. It's a Calendly link. We do have landing page assets. We do have a PDF which explains the program. We don't talk about pricing of the program until the call. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's effectively it. I think the thing on my mind here is this, that they build rapport with me. I'll quite often answer a question for them live on stage. They don't technically get me again until later on, maybe the very last stage, if at all, um, which is interesting. But my time, as you can imagine, as I'm sure yours is, is pretty tight with lots of things. So I don't necessarily want to be the bottleneck myself. That makes a lot of sense. There's a few ways to really do this. And I think that you can facilitate conversation within actual the platforms. It's the cool thing about you're using Instagram. Yeah. That's the cool thing about using Instagram is you can do video, audio, and text. So I think it's leveraging those other mediums to create a connection and a spark within your audience. Even if you do a pre-recorded Nick, like having you like, Hey, thanks so much for DMing that. This can be your assistant sending that on your behalf. It's like, hey, thanks so much, Dina. What I'm going to do is have Steph over here on the team reach out to you and see what we can do to support you. Then we have our, let's say he's a strategist or a director, your salesperson. What's their name? Uh, Rob. Well, we've got uh, John and Rob. Let's use those two for now. Okay. Then we have our you know, strategist over here, Rob. He's going to support you to be able to see if this is a good fit for you. If you have any questions, let us know and look forward to you know, helping you on your journey. Yeah, I like and I think that's Spark. You can record that at once. They can leverage that. Use the medium for what it is. Um, there's so much opportunity right now in everyone's inbox, especially everyone listening right now, because you don't have to always get on a call to close a program. Yeah, I'm seeing that with Instagram in particular. I think it's a there's a whole other episode on this. I'm seeing people use different types of posts and things like that to be able to um, even close some quite high ticket offerings just using messaging. Because you're pre, it's it's all in your pre-framing of the offer, positioning it, making sure that they say yes to the right questions in their mind and emotionally trust you, building that trust enough with you and making sure that it makes sense. Having that piece of connection that this is who, how it's going to happen, expectations, that can facilitate that process and you don't have to be on every single message. Yeah, okay, interesting. But that's the sort of thing. I mean, what you said there about... Um, uh, and this is my instinct with it as well, the connection back to the connection that was made. So they've already connected with me on stage to then go into a blank lot of text doesn't feel hundred percent right. You know what I mean? So, but I, I like the idea of adding something interesting through that piece. I mean, I'll tell you something we do, which, which has worked effectively well in other parts is if we're, we have some quite high six figure um, products, if you want to call it that services that we offer for businesses at certain levels. Uh, I always use Loom um, as part of that process for, you know, in between discovery to, to presentation to, you know, trying to get a decision. We use Loom all the time to ask questions, to maybe run through various stages of proposals. And those extra mm-hmm. touch points seem to make quite a big nif- difference to conversion rates. It's, it's essential because people want to make sure that it's, a, especially at that level, that it's customized to their business. Because every buyer is asking three questions. What is it? having a clear articulation of what is the offer? What is the product? How does it benefit me? Does it work? This is where your testimonials, your case studies come in. And then the last piece is always, will it work for me? And if you're able to build trust, build rapport, and then through there answer those key questions, 
you're able to facilitate them to get to a decision and empowering their next decision. And I think that's also the key thing when it comes to the messaging or being able to have asynchronous sales processes, not always have to be live on a call like you and I are right now, is to be able to empower that person to make the best decision based on you know, the next steps, based on the offer, based on the product itself. Yeah, fantastic. Good. Well, I'm glad we, I wanted to do a little bit of playing around with that because I think it's useful for everyone just to um, do a bit of live, let's play with this a bit, just to sort of see how it works. <laughs> uh, so I wasn't, I wasn't going to put you on the spot. Of course not. I knew you'd be able to cover that role. <laughs> having, having read your book or going through this, I knew that you'd be able to cover it, which is great. So, so what, what next then? So we've covered quite a bit today already, right? We've covered kind of like the various components of, of, you know, what, processes, systems, habits, as you've called them, need to be within businesses. We've gone deep on some. We've talked about the the difference between having some stuff which is signature to you and your business versus the stuff that's a little bit more holistic. What are some of the other key things that people should be considering now that they've heard us talk about this for about 20 minutes or so? I think the key, and this is the capstone, and I end this with a book, but this is something that will continually be evolving, is how you lead the team the energy in which you empower the team, the way that you lead versus manage, the way that you actually enable success, enable teams and empower teams to take on their own projects autonomously and being able to drive the mission forward. I think that's the most important piece because I know that we talked about it for 20 minutes, but it's, that's kind of simple. It's pretty, that wasn't very difficult to do. Like you just saw how simple that process was. Now it's how do I embed this and manifest this in my business through the way that I show up as a leader, as my department team show up, what's the energy, what's the enthusiasm? How do we ensure that everyone follows suit and that we can actually reach the mission or the milestones of the business to be able to hit that overarching mission? That's the key component here. And there's so much into this when it comes to leading, managing, encouraging, facilitating, coaching teams. But that's probably the most important piece because if you just have this and you do it right, but then you are missing that last component, it's not going to be sustainable. And the whole goal is to have a holistic, sustainable approach, not just for this year or this quarter, but for the next five to 10 years. And how do you, on those two pieces, so let's say you're a more established business, um, which comes first? So, you know, processes or people, I know, I know they're both important, so I'm not trying to say that, but let's say, for example, you have got already got an established team. Let's say it's 20 or 30 or 40 people and you have to change your processes and then you suddenly realize you haven't got the right people or do you build the processes around the people? How's that work? That's such a great question. And I've, I've had people on the podcast talk about this. I honestly think that there's, there's twofold. One, as entrepreneurs, you make do with what you got. You make the best out of what you have. When you identify, hey, this might not be the right person for this specific role, but they have an incredible attitude and they could be useful in other areas, I think it's your duty to make sure that they're in the right position in their business because it's really difficult to replace someone who has an amazing attitude. Now, if this is someone who may not, may not have that great attitude, may not be performing, may not have other skill sets, then it starts to look at how can we improve here? Are there other resources, trainings that we can provide? Are there tools or technologies that we can implement? Or are they just not performing because they don't want to? And that's a different conversation. Mm, yeah. So this is optimizing the team. This is optimizing like the actual like labor component, but I think it's just making sure making the processes fit for the business and then identifying what is the best fit for the people that I have. And I mean, I've seen it in teams. I've done it in teams that sometimes it's not the right person. And if you extend that time 
with the wrong person in the wrong position, it's only going to multiply and be way more difficult. Like I speak from experience to replace in the future. When I was doing the, um, the turnarounds in particular, uh, the, the thing that probably got the biggest, let's call it coverage, if you like, or the biggest um, debate was the fact of moving and transitioning people in and out. So there's a movie, a really full on movie with, um, what's his name? Uh, George Clooney called up in the air where he just goes <laughs> around restructuring companies. And I, and I was kind of <laughs> like that, right. You know, but, but I used to approach it like this role. So I'd go in and say, okay, first and foremost, what is the vision of the business? You know, where, where mm-hmm. is the business today? Where is it going? And, and understanding what that pathway is going to look like the business strategy, then aligning that to the business model. So does the business model actually work uh, with what the business strategy or the intention is trying to be? Then having a look at that in terms of overall structure. So structure would therefore, Mm -hmm. in my definition of that, would be be the processes and the people. So is the structure of the business aligned to the business model, to the strategy, to the vision? And what you'd find quite often, and hence the reason we had to move people out, is that there was no real join up between those different elements. So, so you might have the right strategy, right? But the processes were not defined well enough or integrated well enough with the strategy. So that process was not going to deliver the outcome is the best way to say that. So then you'd redefine the processes, the point we've been talking about here, and you'd find that you didn't have the right people, right? You know, some could fit, but quite a lot were hired to try and do something fundamentally different. And that's where it became, became known as being a lot of, you know, changing people in and out, you know, restructuring redundancies and all that sort of thing. But in reality, it all started because that alignment wasn't there. That's so key. And I like that you mentioned, because we hear that term a lot, strategy and alignment, but you're being able to identify specifically how it fits for the overarching piece of where the business is actually going. So they all work together. It's not just we're in alignment. We just say we are. It's strategically looking at the business, making sure that we are truly in alignment to the mission and the goals. Yeah, because you think about it, it's about resource allocation at the most simplest level. And strategy is really a choice. You know, people get confused by the term strategy because they think it's this kind of, you know, really intelligent thing that, you know, only very smart people can come up with. But in reality, it's just a simple concept of I could go this way, I could go that way, I could go straight ahead, over the top, behind, whatever. Making a choice then underpins how you allocate the resources to make that successful. Most people get confused because they don't get decisive enough on that choice and then they don't allocate the resources and that's when you get inefficiencies. So, so yeah, so um, I, I look at, you know, the stuff we've talked about today at, from that sort of lens, really, um, mm. not the level of detail at all that we've gone into today. Um, I'm very uh, curious about it. That's why I quite like going into what we went to, um, but it's definitely not my superpower. It's yours, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> I totally make it work, man. Exactly. Well, listen, um, Raul, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think we've covered a whole heap today. A um, couple of last questions, if that's cool. What's next for you personally? What are you working on right now? And uh, what's getting you excited um, as we get into 2021? That's a great question. You can't see the screen. I have like a whole notebook worth, but I'm writing an annual program based on the work that I do with clients, based on the work from the book. And it's to really empower and facilitate entrepreneurs to install or implement productive profits within their business in a very short amount of time, but giving them the support throughout a year to make sure that it's done correctly. Because I think that information is great and information is extremely useful and transformative, but it's making sure that it's customized and applicable to each of the businesses. And that's the key component. That's the 90, that's the 1% of the, the differences within all businesses is how do I make this unique to you? How does this apply? 
that's really exciting for me because there's, there's a lot of opportunity for scale that way, a lot of opportunity for asynchronous relationships to be able to help and facilitate more entrepreneurs. And that's my goal really to, to continue to do that, to extend the mission. And then the podcast, Do Good Work, we've just crossed over 100 episodes two weeks ago. And it's, uh, we're taking off. It's 100 episodes in, so now we're getting started. <laughs> well, congratulations on that milestone. I just crossed the 150th a couple of weeks back as well. Oh, there you um, go. Yeah, it's funny. It's two years now since I've been doing it. And um, I can't believe it's been two years. It feels like I've been doing it for a long time in a good way. But uh, yeah, it's quite a journey. A, I think the thing that people don't appreciate is that you get to meet really cool people like we've met, obviously, doing this stuff. Uh, which you know wouldn't have happened. I certainly can't imagine that would have happened had um, had we not both decided to go down these pathways. Absolutely, podcasting is the most amazing tool for so many reasons, but it's it's also being able to share that message. Excellent. Well, listen, um, let's let all the listeners know where they can reach out to you. So we talked about the book, uh, Productive Profits, um, your podcast, uh, Do Good Work. Uh, where else uh, can people reach out to you, um, Rail, and uh, uh, and get in touch? I think the best place is LinkedIn or any social. You can just go to dogoodwork.io. Everything is linked out there. If you want the spreadsheet or the worksheet that we talked about today, it's dogoodwork.io forward slash essentials. And then you'll be able to contact me in any, any medium that suits you. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you very much for coming on the show. And uh, thanks again for um, getting me on your show. That was great. Uh, it's been fantastic, mate. Thank you. Next pleasure. And there you have it, another episode of Scale Up Your Business. Thank you very much for listening. And if you haven't yet, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show become even better. And while you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe button to help you on your scale up journey. Now, perhaps you're thinking of growing and scaling your business. Perhaps now is the time. If that's you, then please check out suyb.global. That's where we have all of our programs, including the Growth Accelerator Partnership, the Maximize Value Partnership, all of our services, and of course, coaching and mentoring. Once again, be grateful, be brave, have faith, and show up. Until next time.